Since The Amazing Spider-Man is still in theaters, the first few minutes of this podcast are spoiler-free. Just watching episode 30, The Amazing Spider-Man. I'm Eve Franklin. And I'm Chris Jones. And welcome to the one and only podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. Chris, you and I just went to see uh, The Amazing Spider-Man as a press preview. And wow, was it amazing. We got to see it in 3D. Yeah, that was... In an IMAX theater. <laughs> that was an experience. I'll tell you what. What did you think about the movie? Oh, I loved the movie. Um, when the Tobey Maguire movies came out, oh, so, so long ago, I was always really disappointed because I grew up watching Spider-Man and, and knowing a lot about the comic books, and, and he's always been my favorite. And mm-hmm. those movies almost made Spider-Man not be my favorite anymore for so many reasons we'll probably get into later. Anyway, but... Um, this movie sort of restored Spider-Man to his glory, in my opinion. And yeah. so I absolutely loved the film. Yeah, I, I really liked it that he was it, he, he was a, a genius, you know, because we, we returned back to a Spider-Man who makes his own web shooters instead of having it biologically somehow added to him that he can create web. And he has that wonderful sarcasm that anybody who's familiar with the, car- the, the comic books or the cartoons that came out in the 90s are really familiar with that. And it was really good. Um, we do want to caution. I mean, we just said that this, we consider this movie better than the Tobey Maguire movies. And Chris is not very fond of those movies. I myself actually like them, but this, this movie was better. So I... From somebody who actually liked the original trilogy of Spider-Man, uh, made in 2002, 2004, and 2007, um, this movie is better. So hopefully, if you'll agree with me when you go to see it, the um, we do caution parents. There is quite a bit of excessive violence. It is a superhero movie, and I mean they're fighting and throwing around each other, and people getting hurt, and there's some school violence. There's you know bullying and other behavior that. You may not want your kids to see, so just use discretion if you're going to go see it. There is a brief moment of partial undress of a woman. I don't know any other way to say that. Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't sexual in nature at all. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was an accident, kind of. And so mm-hmm. then, and then afterwards, the fact that the woman no longer had a shirt but a very covering bra. Mm-hmm. Um, was not even the point of what was going on in the scene after right. that point. Right. So, But we do ask parents, once again, if you're going to take children. It's one of the disappointments I have in going to see superhero movies. I think I even thought this when we went to see The Avengers, that there were a lot of kids in the theater that yeah, were probably too of, young to be seeing that movie. I, I was in a theater for The Avengers that had, oh, goodness, almost 10, like, six- and seven-year-olds. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, I mean... Normally, there's there's swearing, there's a lot of violence, and you know, it's a superhero movie, so it can get scary, especially mm-hmm. for really young kids, and so that... And this is PG-13, not PG. Right. And it's there's a reason that it's PG-13. <laughs> I don't know that we can say much more about this movie, other than the, uh, the score was beautiful. It's um, by James Horner. 
it definitely fit the mood and action of the of the movie. And it's the the other thing is that if you're going to go to the movie, I don't. You probably most of you who are going to go see this movie are familiar with movies of this genre and know that you should stay at least somewhat into the credits to see the teaser scenes that they throw in. And there is one in Spider Man. It's it's what Marvel's kind of been known for, and it's amazing how many people will just get up and walk out. But no, you need to stay and watch the scene. Generally, it's it's not like vital to enjoying the movie, but it generally starts setting up for a sequel. And mm-hmm. I will be completely floored if The Amazing Spider-Man does not get a sequel out of this. It was <laughs> yeah. fantastic. So stay for at least the first few minutes of the, the uh, credits. It's not that far into the credits. It's probably just after, you know, where they show all the names of the actors and then it goes into the scene and then it does the the, then the real credits after that. There is not a scene at the very end of the credits, so if you want to get up and leave, then you're more than welcome to. <laughs> um, the diehards like us, we stay all the way till every logo has been on the screen. I mean, you're going to get your money's worth, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then you don't have to fight people to get out of the theater because everyone else is gone. If <laughs> right. Now, if you haven't seen the movie yet, we ask that you pause this podcast, go see the movie, and come back. <laughs> I mean... Come back. You want to hear what else we have to say, but this is the time to, if you don't want to have the movie spoiled, this is the time to shut off the podcast and come back later. Because I won't be very careful with what I say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now that all the people who haven't seen the movie yet have left, um, let's talk about some of the fun and humorous things in Spider-Man. I would just like to point out that there was a great deal of humor in this movie, the other Spider-Man's movie. I'm going to be saying that phrase a lot. The other <laughs> Spider-Man movies um, just were not funny. At most, he got one line in an entire two-hour movie, which is just not Spider-Man. But this movie was freaking hysterical. I loved it. <laughs> there was, um, obviously, the nemesis in, in The Amazing Spider-Man is the lizard, which we actually didn't see in the other three Spider-Man movies. That's true. Doc Connors did not really make an appearance. He was was always someone that I enjoyed because typically he's a pretty good friend to Peter, except Mm -hmm. for when he... We do see him in the third movie, I think. He was there to help. Oh, yeah. As as Dr. Connors, he was around. But he wasn't as the lizard, so the lizard was new. Right. So, um, and because there is a lizard loose in New York City... (laughs) One of the most humorous lines is when Peter Parker goes to talk to uh, Captain Stacy. Stacy. Yeah, Captain Stacy, and telling him, trying to tell him that Doctor Connors is becoming this, you know, monstrous lizard, and somebody needs to stop him. And the Captain Stacy says, "Do I look like the mayor of Tokyo?" <laughs> of course, visions of Godzilla everywhere. Not that that uh, the lizard is quite that big, but still, <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> and it's it's stuff like that that's just sprinkled throughout the entire movie that's mm-hmm. just I mean it just makes Spider-Man who he is he gets to have the snarky humor that mm-hmm. a lot of the other superheroes are too serious to really stand mm-hmm. uh, for example um, not long after Spider-Man was bitten by the spider um, Peter is on his way home on the subway and he was just bitten so he's real out of it and so he's lying down and he's completely passed out so this guy decides to balance a beer bottle there, there is alcohol in this yeah, movie, but that's pretty pictured, much it yeah. <laughs> so he, he balances a beer bottle on Peter's head and a drop of condensation rolls down the bottle and hits Peter's face and then Peter just 
explodes in in full spidey in yeah. full spidey motion. Like I mean, and he, he ends up attached to the ceiling of the subway train, which is hilarious because he's never done that before. Right, he has no idea what's happening to him, and so the guys, the, the other guys on the subway, start getting angry and they try to attack Peter, who, since he has spidey sense, um, manages to evade and and disarm them completely and the entire time he is apologizing so much he's like i'm so sorry i don't mean to be hurting you but i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) it's like pure instinct and that actually is the scene where the the woman's blouse comes off because his hand sticks to the and and he can't get the blouse off of of his his hand hand, no matter how much she's shaking which is pretty (laughs) pretty humorous (laughs) now there is always a stanley cameo for, in those Marvels. Of, for those of you who don't know, which I'm sure there are some out there, Stan Lee is basically the face of the Marvel comics. He he uh, initially created all of the most loved comic heroes. I do not know the entire list because I'm not that much of a nerd, but check back in a year and I'll know. So anyway, he's he he is Marvel. So he gets to have a scene in every single every Marvel yeah. movie that they have made. He has made a cameo appearance, and his appearance in this film is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> the weird thing is, I think it's probably the longest cameo of any of the Marvel movies because. But he doesn't have a line. He doesn't have a which line, which is probably why they could keep him on camera for longer. Because yes. he's he's known for ad libbing and and not doing what he's told. Because the man is is really rich and why would he do what he was told he could do (laughs) well the scene we're talking about is lizard and spider-man are fighting in the high school and they're pretty much going through walls because lizard is about twice his size of spider-man and Mm -hmm. he's um, pretty much indestructible so they're like slamming things around and going through windows and walls and doors and we come upon stanley who is the face on the camera, close up. He's a school librarian. School librarian, has headphones on, he's listening to classical music really, 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 really loud. And he can't hear, any- and we can't hear anything but the classical music. But <laughs> behind him comes Spidey and Lizard fighting all over the library behind him. And they're like tearing up the library, and he's just ha da 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 has no clue what's going on, and he finally finishes what he's doing, turns around and walks out the door of the library seconds before Spider-Man comes flying where he was just standing and hits the wall, and they continue their tussle, and it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it's the, probably the funniest Stan Lee cameo it's I think I've ever seen. It's definitely on my top three list, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, one of my favorite... instead of like it actually being a scene it's more like an aspect of the movie is anytime peter tries to talk to gwen oh by the way gwen stacy's the love interest gwen stacy's (laughs) the love interest yes uh normally peter is portrayed having mary jane be his love interest but originally gwen stacy was his first love and there's actually a whole thing there i won't get into but gwen stacy was before mary jane (laughs) So anyway, um, so Peter tr- is is a teenager and he's awkward and he has all this stuff going on and for the life of him he cannot actually manage to complete a sentence when talking to Gwen Stacy <laughs> and it is the most adorable thing because Emma Stone who plays Gwen and who I absolutely love her she's fabulous she is just standing there looking at him. Com- 
completely aware of what is going on and how hard everything is for him and just absolutely refusing to give Peter a bone for a very long time. And it was just... It, it was very, very much like uh, high school students. You I know? love the way they make a date and then cancel <laughs> it without ever actually saying anything. <laughs> like, Peter doesn't finish the sentence, but Gwen knows exactly what he's talking about, and she has a crush on him anyway. And so she, she kind of helps him out a little bit eventually. But it's like we could get to, we could do, and, and we could get to, and and maybe could, after that we could, and and then oh, but I have something I can't. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe next to me. Maybe we could. <laughs> it's a whole scene, and they never actually complete a sentence. It's hilarious. It's adorable. <laughs> oh, but it is. Um, it is a very mouthy Spider-Man. I think actually one of the scenes that that is most entertaining they kind of ruined by putting in the trailer. But it it kind of gave everybody a heads up to what kind of Spider-Man. Yeah, the, exactly. This, which the, was needed. Right, right. I think that there were a lot of us going, is this going to be another doom and gloom moody Spider-Man? And he is a little moody, but no more than any other teenage boy would be under yeah, the circumstances. Yeah, under so. the tragedy that is his life. The yeah. fact that he snarks off at all is very impressive. <laughs> but there, the, the scene that's in the trailer, obviously, is the one that, that the car thief brandishes a knife and and spider-man's like oh no you found my weakness small knives really small Small knives knives. (laughs) anyway he's he is like that both as spider-man and peter parker throughout pretty much the whole thing i mean he does do this swinging where he'll be really glib and then something will happen and he he can get serious and he doesn't Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of serious things happens to poor peter during this movie and so you know he 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 does do both and the actor actually managed to do both convincingly very well i was i was very impressed but yes he does spider-man has his appropriate snark in this movie and it was i like the way they originate his costume (laughs) because it comes out originally he start he's looking for the um obviously the the thief that kills his uncle which is the kind of the the basic plot point of Spider-Man. It was mm-hmm. the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire covered pretty much the same story. Um, this is slightly different. It happens in slightly a different way, but it's basically the same story. So, oh, spoiler, Uncle Ben dies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you've even heard the name Spider-Man, you know that Uncle, Uncle Ben, ben does not make it. <laughs> but he, um, he, he originally goes after these guys without wearing a mask, and somebody says, I know you, I've seen your face, and so he gets the bright idea to do a stocking cap, at least, to, to cover his face. And he wears, punches holes in it with sunglasses over the top, and then eventually gets the idea to be a little more aerodynamic. He might want to actually wear you know, skin tight leotards. Instead of just his... Well, he, he, he can't just wear his straight clothes, because that's what he had been using because there's all of this this aerodynamic problems, which he actually stalks a couple of hyper nerdy physics dudes to kind of figure some of that out, which I thought was really great. <laughs> anyway, um, so he goes to look at what athletes wear, like in the high sports, high speed sports, mm-hmm. they all, you know, wear spandex. <laughs> And it was like, Peter- spandex, 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 spandex. Peter didn't really appreciate that, but, yeah. you know. You gotta do what you, you gotta, gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. And- I don't know. I think this may be, of all the Spider-Mans that I've ever seen, his mask comes off an awful lot in this movie. Nah, you can't say that. Toby had his mask off way more often. <laughs> because at least in this movie, he was alone when his mask was <laughs> off. 
I don't know. The lizard took it off, and okay, Captain Stacy took it off. <laughs> I was surprised when the Captain Stacy got so close. To, yeah, to that—that that was surprising. But you know, he'd also been electrocuted two seconds earlier. Yeah, yeah. So, oh well. Anyway, <laughs> that is the the basic problem with Spider Man is that his mask sometimes has a hard time staying on his face. <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, it's Peter Parker. We also got to see. Him trying, like the the very beginnings of him trying to figure out how to take f- photographs of Spider Man yes. while he is Spider Man. You you get a shot of the Daily Bugle's front line page asking for pictures of the lizard, and so Peter is like, "Hey, I'm a photographer. I can do that." And so he he makes one massive mistake that kind of ruins the whole thing. But it is kind of nice to see the beginning of, mm-hmm. of his future job. Instead of being in some sort of lab somewhere, he you get to see why he kind of moves into to that fo- direction. Right, into photography. And we got he acted a little bit more like a spider. Yes. I mean his, his movements were much movements more, more spider like. Yeah. Um, I really thought it was interesting that when Toby McGuire was was Spider Man, he actually could shoot webbing, but he never actually acted very much like a spider while this version of peter parker he doesn't he doesn't shoot the web naturally he, he builds his own webbing which yes. is is what he does in the comics mostly there's so much but he there. acts with it a lot more like a real spider would he he's always up in the ceilings in the corners mm-hmm. he uh, when he's webbing down the lizard at one point he crawls all over him repeatedly and it was very Oh, creepy. Very creepy. <laughs> very spider-like. And so it, it, he behaved much more like a spider. And he used his webbing to create the same way a web, the way mm-hmm. spiders would, to be able to feel um, the movements Movement. of the prey. He, and, yeah, he made his own web. Right. Which was just really cool. <laughs> very cool. Very, very cool. I, I, we're going to just keep doing this because we like the movie so much. Yeah. Now... The whole point of this podcast, and I probably should have said this at the beginning, but we don't just sit here and rave, rave, and rave about movies. We, we're, the whole point of Are You Just Watching is to talk about um, the Christian worldview and, and how we approach entertainment and talk about how that, Im- that impacts, you know, viewing these movies. We have to have our eyes open for, for the controversial subjects that are being blasted at us on a regular basis from the entertainment we watch. And it's, you know, today it's just getting very rampant in just about everything, whether mm-hmm. it's television or movies, there's some kind of an agenda and it may not be an overt agenda. It may not even necessarily be, um, you know, that the movie makers or the writers were sitting down and going, I'm going to push this agenda on my audience and they're going to come out believing it. It's, it's, just woven into our culture so much now that they do it unconsciously Mm -hmm. but as christians we need to consciously know what we're being bombarded with so that we can combat it with scripture and as much as i love this movie there were some things in there that are worth discussing because from a christian worldview absolutely there i mean it was a superhero movie and with all that that has so there's a lot of non-biblical ideas (laughs) floating around in this film. Now, one of the most often repeated phrases with Spider-Man that uh, anybody who's ever seen Spider-Man and the the Tobey Maguire one, even the the comic book or the the, I mean the comics, comic books or the animated, they've probably heard the phrase. I mean, it's it doesn't appear at all 
in this movie. Not in, the the not phrase, the of course, that we're talking about is "with great power comes great responsibility." Now, yes, this is an important point, especially if you're giving a teenager the immense spider-like abilities. He he needs to know this, but. It is done to death. I think the phrase has moved beyond cliche to whatever is worse than a cliche. <laughs> but Uncle Ben, who is credited as the one who say it, said it first, never says those words strung together like that. Although he does have the idea, which will satisfy most Spider fa- Spider-Man diehards. Right. The, the, the way Uncle Ben says it in this movie is, if you can do good things for good people... You have a moral responsibility to do it. And it's interesting because with great power comes great responsibility is a very concise, packaged, um, very general, very broad concept that can apply in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Because power is um, a very open concept. It can be wealthiness. It can be political power. It can be... When you're driving your car, do it, it responsibly. Yeah, I mean, it can apply to so many different things. But this statement by Uncle Ben has some very interesting um, allusions uh, or even ramifications mm-hmm. because um, what he says is a lot more specific and it's actually specific in a very bad way, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because he says, if you do good things for... If you can do good things for good people... So there's two stipulations here. Number one, you're doing good things. And number two, you're doing it only for Mm -hmm. good people. Um, so the, the thing that comes up with that, of course, is what do you mean by good? I mean, and, and that's not something that's addressed in any way, which is interesting since it's a superhero movie. And so Spider-Man is fighting these, these people in this group called the bad guys. And then there are these people in this other group called the good guys. But no one ever explains what differentiates the two. Right. In any capacity. And from a scriptural point standpoint, I mean, we know as Christians that, well, Jesus said it. It's right there in Mark ten eighteen. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So we know that if, if we're going by a biblical standpoint or a worldview in this case, we know that there is no such thing as good people. Mm-hmm. They're all bad. It's just degrees of bad. In our eyes, even God doesn't even care about degrees of bad. It's just we're all, we're all sinners. Right. And so the, the, the woman that he saves from being beat up by the thug, and then the thug that he ended up tying up and delivering to the police in... in God's eyes are the same. the same. And so what makes one worth saving over the other? Right. And then we even go a little further in that because at one point, Peter Parker went, goes to dinner at the Stacy residence and the captain is talking about how um, they're trying to cap- capture Spider-Man because he's a vigilante and he's doing bad stuff. And Peter's like, well, wait a minute, this is me. I need to defend Spider-Man, Spider-Man what Spider-Man is doing because... You know, in my opinion, he's doing good things. So he says, well, he's doing he's trying to do good things. I mean, look, he, you know, he's he's getting these bad guys off the street. And Captain Stacy says, well, you know, you don't understand. You think the cops just sit there and twiddle their thumbs and eat donuts. They have plans. There's a reason why that thug was on the street. We were cha- we were following him to, 
you know, the syndicate that runs him. And because, you know, we took the car thief off the street, we now can't capture the really bad guys. And so what Spider-Man did while he thought he was doing something good, he was actually doing something bad. Which leads into the whole vigilante idea. Um, I don't know if what what we have there in the notes, but I'm I'm going off script. Um anyway, but the any superhero pretty much is is more or less a vigilante. Um God established the government for mm-hmm. a reason. Right. To reward good and to punish evil. That is the point of the government. Mm-hmm. And unless you are working with the government or for the government, you don't really have any business going off and tying people up because of really whatever reason. You're taking the law into your own hands, right. basically. That's, that's not a biblical idea, but that's what superheroes, with the exception of Captain America and maybe one or two others, um, that's what they do. Right. They hide their identity. They work at night by themselves. Daredevil or the Punisher are really great examples of, right. of this idea. And, th- and I think those two actually kill. They don't. Yeah, they, they don't apprehend. See, Peter, see, that's the thing is that you want to add degrees of good. Well, mm-hmm. Spider-Man never or tries really hard to not kill anybody. And, you know, the Fantastic Four, well, they're just trying to be normal and Mm -hmm. this and that and the other. But no, (laughs) that's not really how it works. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy the movies. But you need to be aware that vigilantes... While fun, be, just be aware that, you know, don't become one yourself. Right. This is, we're not putting this up as being good behavior. Right. Right. Now, the, um, the concept, we'll go just circle back a little bit to the um, do good things for good people. Um, it's interesting that they qualify that you can only do good things to good people. That that's your moral responsibility is to help good people. You which don't have we've to already, help bad people. You don't have to help bad people. Well, the, we've already established there's no such thing as good people. But God was the real hero because he sent Jesus hmm. to die for us even when we were bad. There's a, there's a scripture in Romans, it's Romans 5, 7 through 8, it says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. That kind of takes you back to Uncle Ben's statement. It says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that, that is, I think, a good thing for us to take into account when we see this qualification of you do good things for good people. You should do good things for, for everybody. Because God did good the best thing for all of us right um it's interesting also that uncle ben in his fatherly wisdom (laughs) he leaves a message on peter's phone right before he he's killed and peter doesn't listen to it until the very end of the movie but he says in there you owe the world your gifts and i find it interesting that it's it's just you this com- the world becomes, I guess, in a way, God, because who who do you who grants you what you have, and and who do you bestow that on, and mm-hmm. why? And I think that from it, it's really easy to say, well, I have this gift, and for music or for science or mm-hmm. for whatever you're gifted in. I mean, there's for speaking or there's a, numerous things you can be gifted in. And to say that you owe, who do you owe to use that gift? Who gave it to you? And in this instance, obviously, Spider-Man is a pure accident that he becomes Spider-Man. But 
it, he um, he gives his gifts to the world, and his uncle says he owes it to the world. Mm-hmm. This is obviously before. I mean, Uncle Ben never found out he was Spider Man, but I think he was probably alluding to his brains and his his abilities. Like and he really was just a good kid. Yeah, he was a good kid, but. When we're looking at this from a Christian perspective, we know that our talents come from God. Mm-hmm. And whatever He's blessed us with, and, and we all have gifts that were given to us by God. We have something that God has granted us to. to some of them are spiritual gifts that we get when we, through the Spirit, when we become saved. Some of them are natural talents that God, you know, bred into us genetically that we have. Um, we're not all equal. And I know sometimes that... Um, we, we tend to think that everybody is the same and we can treat everybody the same because we're all like cookie cutter humans, but we're all different. We're all gifted in different ways. But that gift, our, our debt to pay that gift for that gift goes to God. Right. And we should be serving him and obe- be obedient to him in what he wants us to use those gifts for. And I'm pretty sure it would not be swinging around a city, stopping bad guys. <laughs> At least not, well... Wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Now, Peter takes a lot of responsibility for stuff in this movie. It's like his Achilles heel. Everything that happens in the entirety of New York City is somehow his fault. I mean, he does things that are his fault and that, you know, he, he, he needs to deal with appropriately, but not everything. <laughs> I guess in a way they do kind of set up the story where most of it really is his fault. Right, <laughs> which which is different because normally for for Peter, with the exception of what happens to his uncle, pretty much none of it is actually his fault. I mean, yes, you can twist it and say that it's his fault or it's Spider-Man's fault or whatever, but no, it's not actually his fault. But in this movie, the the Uncle Ben incident, the development of the lizard from doc connor's he sort of instigated all that right (laughs) pretty much everything is his fault in this movie it's kind of sad but he does take a lot of of um stuff onto himself that maybe is i mean like there's there's a line in the movie where gwen is trying to keep him from going after the lizard because the lizard is very powerful. The, the lizard is stronger than Peter. It, and he's pretty much unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do to him, he heals from. And there there really isn't anything that anyone can do. The police can't do anything. Peter really can't. Every time he goes up against him, he ends up... In trouble. In bad shape. And But um, at one point, he tells Gwen, he says, This is my responsibility. I have to fix it. And... It's good that he's taking responsibility for his actions, but I think there are some times when we have to leave things in the Lord's hands from mm-hmm. a Christian perspective. It's like things can be quickly become bigger than we are, mm-hmm. and if if we if we're continually stressing about the things that we need to fix in our lives, um, we won't ever get beyond that. Right, and we never give the God God the glory for fixing them because we're doing it in our own power. Mm-hmm. And it it really is something that, um, like in Romans eight twenty eight says, God works things out for His own glory. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's it's like to those who love Him and, and are according to His will, whatever happens is in God's will, and right. and and He'll bring good out of it. It may not be good that we see, but it may be good for someone else. And we don't have to go around constantly trying to fix things. 
because that's in we, God's control. We, we can't hold on to our guilt because that's saying that that you are the, the ultimate authority and uh, over over God. Like God didn't know what He was doing, and you caused this bad thing to happen, and so you're holding on to this guilt, which is what Peter's really good at. But I mean, when you confess your sins and you have been forgiven. You need to let it go because if you keep holding on to it and keep gnawing at it, it will destroy you. Yeah. I think we did that to death, didn't we? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. Letting go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is some interesting family relationships in this movie. (laughs) Um. We we actually get to see a lot more background about Peter Parker in this movie than than the previous movie because we actually see his parents. We see his parents. We see him as a child. Uncle Ben makes it through not quite half of the movie, but more than the first five minutes. Right. <laughs> um, Gwen, we get to see her entire family. She's three younger brothers and two parents who seem to be in a pretty functional relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a, actually a lot of family in this film. It, for it, Peter being a little orphan. <laughs> right. We get to see some good marital behavior even between um, his uncle and aunt, which mm-hmm. is, it's, it's, it, it's so cute. I mean, it's like you get to see um, a married couple who are functional instead of dysfunctional, which is usually what we see families represented as to, in, in this day and age in mm-hmm. our society. Um, I, we did kind of put down in our notes that there were a lot of daddy issues in this movie. Everyone in this <laughs> film seems to have daddy issues. And I don't want to go all Freudian about it, but um, Peter has clear daddy issues because his father, you know, abandons him and completely vanishes off the face of the earth and leaves Peter alone. So Peter has a really hard time with well, that. Well, alone with an aunt and uncle. But yeah. yeah. And, and then he is... Uh, sort of, he is in revol- involved in the death of Uncle Ben, who he then had replaced. He's kind ben, of a surrogate father, right? Had right. become a surrogate father, and so then he's involved in Uncle Ben's death. So not only did one father abandon him, but then he feels like he killed his other father. <laughs> so that that's going on with Peter. <laughs> Uncle Ben has a hard time with things because he's trying to be the father for Peter. To his nephew, mm-hmm. and that's very difficult on on a whole slew of levels. Though it's, Peter does let him off the hook and tell him he's a really good dad, yes, which was which was nice. I'm they, glad they actually had that conversation before Uncle Ben died because mm-hmm. that kind of at least that was one thing Peter didn't have to be guilty about, right? They, they're actually um, Peter is really open with his his feelings and his appreciation for Uncle Ben and Aunt May throughout the movie which is mm-hmm. i mean with everything else going on he still has you know he knows that he has a solid home base and he is grateful for it and he he does show a little res- disrespect at one point after he becomes spider-man it's actually the point that leads to uncle ben's death and that he he comes home and they they kind of discipline him for being out late and forgetting stuff that he should have done mm-hmm. and he gets mad and basically throws it in their faces that that you know, they weren't honest to him about his parents. And and then he walks out and Uncle Ben's out looking for him when he gets killed. So right. there, there is an, an instance where that disrespect and that back talking, which is not the way you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, teenagers do it a lot, but that doesn't make it right. And we should always remember to show respect to our 
authority figures at all times. Yes, children, pay attention. If you disrespect your parents, you will cause one of them to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not. But well, maybe not. <laughs> but <laughs> it could happen. And then you would have that guilt. And then you would have that extra guilt that you, well, see, previous podcasting. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to get into the part where Chris is going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I'm a science nerd, if you couldn't tell by my um, uh, unusually in-depth knowledge of comics being that I am a girl. Um, so there is a lot of science, well quote science Science. in this movie superhero science which is something totally different from real science it's not even sci-fi science (laughs) it's its own thing but something to be aware of is that this is an evolution movie and that everyone assumes evolution is true right um there's a lot of references to adaptation and survival and that kind of and, thing. And there's the uh, image of the tree of life at one point, and, and there's evolution is there. They don't throw it in your face. This is not X-Men. You know, <laughs> these people became what they were through observational science lab accidents. Right. Not from, well, this is the next step in human evolution. evolution. No, right. no, not at all. It doesn't go there. Right, right which, is, which is pretty nice. Um, there, the Doctor Connors is trying to. He, he's actually trying to replace a missing limb. His is it his right arm? It's right. He's, yeah, it's yes, his right his arm right is arm. missing. They don't actually say in the movie why his right arm is missing. In the comics, he lost it in a battle, so he would have grown up, gone through most of his life with this arm, and then joined the army or armed forces, excuse me, and then lost it. Okay, so he's a veteran with a with a missing limb. Right. And they even mentioned that that the, the whole technology they're working on is to help veterans, you mm-hmm. know, with missing limbs. And uh, it's a, a very good cause, you mm-hmm. would think. Um, but the thing you keep hearing Dr. Connor say is he wants to create a world without weakness. And basically, and you, you even hear him say later when he becomes the lizard, it kind of steps up to, he wants to, it's gone beyond no longer curing ills, but finding perfection. And it's interesting to come at it from a point of view of, of a Christian worldview and a creation worldview, mm-hmm. because we know that God created the world perfect, mm-hmm. and that there is a reason why there is imperfection in the world, and it's because of sin. And no matter how hard you try, and, and the amazing and wonderful and beautiful things that you can do with science, I love science, science is cool, but no, no matter how hard you work on anything, you can't use science to cure sin. Right. And most of the times in literature, like with Dr. Connors, when you try, horrible, horrible things happen. Because deep down, everyone knows this world is messed up. Right. And it's, it's because of sin, and there's nothing that we can do to fix it. And even though people will strive for that perfection that Dr. Connors slash the lizard was, was going for... Even if he had been successful in turning New York into a bunch of humanoid lizards, life still would have been messed up. <laughs> and and it, uh, you know what really flashed into my mind where they were he was going through all of that was the whole Nazi perfect race mm-hmm. thing. It's like um, a lot of people. Well, Hitler was a villain. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that he did, he was like a real life villain. He 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 did a tr- horrible atrocities to people, and he doesn't deserve to have any positive spin put on what he was doing at all period mm-hmm. there there was nothing positive in it and i see 
what the lizard was, I mean, it was never actually said, but his whole thing about creating perfection and even to the point of wanting to sit, put off this serum into the air that would turn everybody into uh, lizards who could um, regenerate. regenerate. It it was a good thing that he was trying to do, but in a, in, a, in a very insane way, it was not a good thing. And it just flashed into my mind the whole concept of Nazism and, and attaining mm-hmm. the perfect race and the, the Aryan and, and race and all that. Even though he was going for a cold-blooded thing, it's still... I mean, <laughs> Um, but so yeah, he, he kind of mentally lost it because at the beginning when he had his serum and it had seemed to work on the mouse and we were very excited, Mm -hmm. the Oscorp representative wanted him to step up to human trials immediately, immediately, not, not, you know, wait to make sure the mouse actually survives longer than a day or any of this stuff. He wanted to do it immediately. And initially, Dr. Connors refused. He was going to protect human life as it was, and he was not willing to do something to someone else against his will. And so he decided to use himself as the trial in order to save the project because they were going to shut him down. So fast forward to the end of the movie, he's no longer, as the lizard, he's no longer willing to protect humanity. Right. And he's doing, he's releasing serum into the atmosphere, giving no one a choice or a say in what happens to them at all. Right. And it's just a really interesting flip-flop. Mm-hmm. Through, it, well, through that, the that, whole, that whole idea of absolute power corrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, we have to talk about the whole regeneration thing. because they, yes, they kept, let me. They kept talking about cross-species, which I thought was hilarious because species interbreed all the time. So cross-species... Uh, genetics is kind of, an, uh, I don't know. A, a it doesn't really, it, it doesn't get the point. The point he was trying to say was cross kinds because species cross all the time. That how we, that's how we get new species of things. But, you know, you still, a duck with another kind of duck, you still have a duck and you haven't really gotten very far. Right. In fact, you've lost a lot of information. Right. So what Dr. Connors actually meant was cross-kind um, genetics. So taking a zebrafish and mixing its DNA with a woman with uh, Alzheimer's or seizures or some I don't remember what the yeah, example was. Yeah, to stop was. the seizures. To yeah. stop the seizures, then it would make her better. A fish and a human are clearly not even, in the same kind, <laughs> even a little bit. So that's that's actually what he meant. Yeah, you have to define species because people throw away throw around that word very All randomly the and they, even when I don't they mean, even think they know what it means anymore no and people will say species when they mean genus when they mean family when they mean all kinds of things they'll just say species and you're like no <laughs> no that's wrong <laughs> get your science right people exactly speaking about right science I would just like to say for the record lizards really are that great at self-regeneration they're not. It's not mm-hmm. their thing. I mean, some lizards will we'll replace lop, a tail. Will lop off their own tail willingly because something's trying to eat it, and it's called autonomy. And then it'll partially grow back, but you don't replace bones. You don't replace all of the muscles. It mm-hmm. basically becomes this useless bit of him that's only helpful in balance. balance. Yeah. That's that's literally it. But with the lizard. That's not what you get. You get complete regeneration right. of body parts. Well, like you said, the 
we we can list here the uh, the the organisms that actually do regenerate limbs, and none of them would be very scary. Yeah, the best example of regeneration would be the planarian flatworm. I mean, it is a very simple creature. It's not very complicated. It's it's not a single-celled organism, but it's much closer to that end than to vertebrates. But even talking about vertebrates, they didn't mean lizards. They meant amphibians, like (laughs) salamanders and newts. They can regenerate body parts. And not just limbs, but every every part of themselves, which is something that the lizard does. And starfish can, too. Starfish can do it, too. But, I mean, you got to give the movie some credit, because they're basing these off of comics that were written in the 60s. <laughs> and they're trying to make a villain that's scary. And who's going to be afraid of the newt? I mean, it's just not that intimidating. The lizard, yes. If you have a giant <laughs> lizard man walking around, be afraid. But the newt... I don't think so. <laughs> um, oh, and as additional note that actually is not brought up, but I found out doing my research, and I'm a science nerd, so this is your science of the day. Some species of spiders can lop off their own legs and then grow them back later. So really, Spider-Man should be able to, to regenerate himself, even though... He can't. Yeah, it's kind of sad because he gets really beat up in this movie. Really, he has a hard, hard. I think time. by the time the end of the movie, he's got a bullet in one leg and he's all torn up on his chest and face and, and his face and he's bleeding everywhere and he's got like his face is actually a purple bruise and <laughs> I was really impressed that Aunt May didn't scream when she <laughs> saw him. But he brought the eggs home. But he brought the eggs home because he is a good. Son. And when you see the movie, you'll understand that. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. So, another important thing is that they do talk about using um, human cells to restore body parts. Using stem cells. Stem cells. Um, Because, you know, cross-kind genetics is kind of ridiculous. And people have been laughing at Dr. Connors for decades that saying he was insane. Because it's a weird idea. So at one point, Peter says, well, why can't we use stem cells? Adult stem, Adult c- stem cells. Which, there's actually a lot of research going on today about about using adult stem cells to restore limbs. And That's, health. And, and health. health. It's, yes. it's, a, it's a real thing. I mean, we're not testing on people yet, I hope. But, you actually, know. Actually, I think there are some diseases now that are being treated with adult stem cells. That is fantastic. Yes. It's actually, um, I, I, I find it interesting because if you look in the press and the media right now, politics, they're always pressing, it, pressing embryonic stem cell research onto everybody. But the thing is, is that if you look at the research, the, what is actually undergone, the adult stem cell research is actually already curing diseases, while embryonic stem cell research is going nowhere. It's going nowhere fast. So, you know, things to keep in mind. It's a lot safer than trying to use lizard cells. <laughs> and a lot more effective, but you don't really get any good bad guys out of doing that. One of the things that um, Spider-Man is always really good at showing, uh, even in the original three movies, that a lot is the cost of being a hero. Mm-hmm. And um, I, wa- I thought it was interesting, Aunt May actually had a line in this movie where she says, secrets have a cost, they're not free for free. And... He's keeping a lot of secrets from a lot of people, though he, he is, tells Gwen pretty quickly. He, yeah, um, he 
the first time that he has dinner at, at Gwen's house, he that's when he tells her. Well, sort of. Tor- sort of. He, he, can't, he actually, can't talk around her, so it's Yeah, so. he still can't complete a sentence, so that's a little <laughs> awkward. But so he, he's up front with Gwen really quickly. Mm-hmm. But Aunt May never never know. finds out right. at any point. Um and and at the end there's a there's a scene where Captain Stacy is oh, oh I'm going to give another big spoiler here Captain Stacy dies at the end of the movie dun 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 but you know it's coming yeah nobody can know who Spider Man is and, and not live. live but he um he has this scene where he, he's he's talking to Peter before he dies and he says you're going to make enemies and people will get hurt sometimes and people close to you will get hurt and he asks Peter to promise to keep Gwen out of it mm-hmm. which it, it's an I mean it's a father's wish I mean any father who knows I mean what would be coming for his daughter would say no no let's let's stop this right now and and it's deathbed promise so it's hard to reject him offhand and say but I really like your daughter <laughs> <laughs> um so there there's going to be you, you get the impression that there's a reason for secrets but I don't know that there's ever a time when you should keep something that big from people that are close to you in your life that you do more harm i think it was interesting um you have a blog that you do right yes it's uh we'll we'll tell you a little bit more about it but she's writing a uh, chris is writing a blog on superheroes and it's under a pseudonym a a different name yeah there are names (laughs) floating all over the place place. i don't know what to call myself anyway (laughs) But it's um, but she one of her very first blogs that she does. She was talking about the whole boyfriend girlfriend thing with superheroes. Which I is- I have called it the lame superhero move, and basically the idea is, and this isn't just for like comic book superheroes. It's for anyone with supernatural abilities or kind of anyone ever. ever. <laughs> what what they do is they decide that their life is too dangerous because they have these powers and there are people after them and their life it's just too much for anyone else to handle so they break up with the significant other. Significant other, boy or girl. Both sides have done it. And they just do it offhand. They don't explain why. They don't give the other person any ability to have any sort of say in the matter. They just dump them and then turn around and leave there's no conversation whatsoever and that always really really bothers me that someone can and and they always get away with it Mm -hmm. i mean they don't always stay broken up but the significant other is never bothered by the fact that they literally had zero say in what happened in their relationship which is not a healthy way to have a relationship with another person at all it's not okay so, for all of you budding superheroes out there, don't do it. <laughs> it's, it it's interesting that I, I kept actually thinking about your blog while we were watching the movie because uh, he never actually breaks up with Gwen. But there's a scene, obviously, after his her father asks him to leave her out of it, he avoids her. Her avoids her. And so she comes looking for him because she doesn't see him at her dad's funeral or any of that, though he was there. He was just hiding from her. And... She she figures it out. Because I, she is a brain, unlike Mary Jane, who's just pretty. <laughs> Tough as nails, yes. But, but just pretty. <laughs> she's like, my dad made you promise to stay away from me. And he just looks at her, and then she turns and walks away. But then there's this really cool scene right at the end of the movie where a teacher says to Peter, don't make promises you can't keep. And 
Peter leans over to Gwen, who's sitting in front of him, and he whispers to her, but those are the best kind. <laughs> With the idea being that they will, in fact, get, get back, back together. together. So, the I guess we've pretty much talked this movie to death, especially for a movie we've only seen once. And I know, but I have <laughs> talked about Spider-Man for so long. He is actually my favorite. Yeah. He's pretty cool. <laughs> so, if if you go to see the movie, we really, really would like to know uh, what you thought about it. You can leave comments in our show notes, which again are at areyoujustwatching.com slash 30. But yeah, let us know if you liked it more or less than the original trilogy. Um, you know, what we've already you, heard a comment from whether the person who said they couldn't stand hated this it. Movie. One of my friends, she absolutely could not stand it. And she said, if you wanted to watch Spider-Man, watch the other movies, which... I'm giving her the benefit of... Not really. I'm joking. (laughs) But she is not the kind of person who would know anything about Spider-Man outside of the movies that they have made at all. And in that case, I mean, if that's the Spider-Man that you know, I could understand why it would be harder. But I knew Spider-Man way before then. So I already had attachments and ideas. And then Toby went and squashed them all. (laughs) Not that I have an opinion or anything. (laughs) Speaking of opinions, I do. I have recently started a blog about superheroes and other supernatural beings. Um, basically, I just sort of talk about why these storylines are so fascinating, things that we can learn from them, kind of major trends. And so I will be fo- uh, doing a blog post about this movie because it was fabulous and literally I could talk about this movie to death. So if you want to check it out, the address will be in our show notes. Absolutely, because I don't remember what it is. <laughs> and once again, the show notes are on areyoujustwatching.com slash 30. Yay! <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Are You Just Watching. I'm E. Franklin. And I'm Chris Jones. Thank you for that review. That was excellent. And I'm sure many of our listeners will appreciate that. Listeners, we are bringing the show back. We can't quite commit to a definite schedule, but we are bringing it back. And we would love your suggestions and your thoughts on movies that we should review. And as we look at movies to review, we want your thoughts ahead of time so we can incorporate it into our podcast. Our normal feedback information is feedback at areyoujustwatching.com or go to areyoujustwatching.com and click on the send a voice message tab right there on the right side and record a message right from your computer. Or just pick up the phone and dial 903-231-231. Two one to leave a message on our listener voicemail line. So thank you very much, Eve and Chris, and everyone else. Check out the show notes over at areyoujustwatching.com slash 30. And for Eve Franklin and Chris Jones, I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thank you for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com.